Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from November 29th, 2020. Due to some technical difficulties, we lost the first several minutes, so we joined Jay and Robbie's conversation already in progress. <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, we should get that. Was, that had to be the best story we have ever shared on this podcast. I don't know that you have ever said anything more hilarious than yeah. that, Jay. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, it was... Whew. Yeah. Well, thankfully, we're recording. So. Thankfully. We can't, we'll never be able to top that, so we'll never try. Nope. All right, well then, let's uh, jump in. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay, and joining me as usual is Robbie. How's everybody doing today? That's a weird thing to ask, because you can't respond. You. I don't know why I said that. It is really weird. I hope. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's, let's try that one more time. Take two. Hey, we're really glad you guys are listening today. Thanks, Robbie. <laughs> Is that, oh yeah, I wasn't supposed to do that? Uh, I don't know. That was the bit. Okay. Well, um, yeah, here we are. Just, can you believe Thanksgiving has gone? I was just talking with someone who said, it's crazy how fast this time has gone. I don't know if you felt that during the, the whole pandemic. It's this both and, and I, it reminds me of what people have said about when your children are small, that the, that the days go like years and the years go like days. And it, it feels a little bit like that. Like each day can sometimes feel kind of long, but then before you know it, Thanksgiving has come and gone and Christmas is almost here. Right. Christmas is mere weeks away. Mere weeks. I just liked your, the way you said that, mere. mere. I, just, I don't love that there's always Kermit a hint here. a hint of Kermit mere. in your impression of me. <laughs> My Robbie impression does have a little bit of Kermit in it. Near, far. That's Grover. <laughs> That's definitely Grover. Yeah. Near, far. Okay, we've gone off the rails. Okay. Trying to Let's top what we said that, that amazing first few minutes of that story. <laughs> what we can't, we, we can't, can't achieve do. that kind we of greatness twice. No one ever. I'm so glad that people have that to listen to. Uh, so this week, we started an Advent series. We did. I love Advent. I always i I like church calendar stuff. So I love I love Advent. I love the Lent season. Like I like the idea of getting ramped up to a celebration. Yeah, and it's it's something that I've enjoyed too. And it, but it's also it's always challenging because you want to do something. We want to prepare. It's good for the church to to prepare for for Christmas and uh, for the coming celebrating the coming of Jesus and but then how to do that and so this week we actually started off by talking about the second coming that's right because part of Advent is celebrating that he has come and also that he is coming right so that's what we did and we actually used the Book of Common Prayer Robbie do you want to say anything about that uh, it's awesome would you like me to expand on that I mean that's sure I can expand okay. on that a little bit uh, I, you know me, Jay, you know, I geek out on books and history and stuff like that. And I just, I love, uh, I love being, in, being able to engage in worship practices that our brothers and sisters have done for decades or even centuries. So something like the book of common prayer, which in, in a lot of churches, um, we, 
either doesn't really make an appearance at all, or sometimes we can even view with a little suspicion, um, like this idea of, um, you know, well, that's too liturgical or ritualistic or, or something like that. But, um, but technically, I mean, you could argue that about any worship practice, right? I mean, our, you could, you could argue that the typical, um, you know, evangelical church model of, you know, sing four songs and then listen to a sermon and then go home like that that's too ritualistic but it's just it's habits it's habits of worship and this is one that our brothers and sisters have been doing since the reformation and so i just i love the idea of praying prayers that our brothers and sisters in christ prayed 300 years ago Um, and also that our brothers and sisters in christ are praying along with us right now all over the world so um we just we thought that that would be uh, um, a, a beneficial take on uh, on Advent, which it's always I, I don't know if this is helpful, but I always find it's a weird thing when you're talking about Easter and Christmas because when you work for a church, especially as a preacher, you're tempted to to think, oh well, you know, how can I how can I approach this from a new way, a new angle? You know, I don't want to just preach about the incarnation every Christmas. That's what Christmas is. Like, we shouldn't feel guilty about saying every Christmas we always talk about God in the flesh because that's literally what we're reminding each other of. But we fall into that trap of like, oh, how do we come up with something new? And so I love that this year we decided, how do we come up with something old? Right. Right, because new isn't, new is not always better. And the reality is the reason we have the church calendar, the reason why... Uh, God calls us to do to remember things. While he, all through the Old Testament, there would be remembrances, uh, whether it was Passover or whatever. And then now, like with communion, is because we uh, and and baptism, we need to remember these things. Like it's it's good for us to continue to remember the incredible truths that that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. And so, uh, I just think it's it's really it's good and and it's just a blessing to do it. And so, um, so yeah, so we started this week with the second coming. So kind of beginning with the end in mind and, um, which is valuable for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is we are reminded that we aren't just looking back and remembering how God's people waited before, but that we are actually waiting today. That's right. And, and so I think it's just, it's, it's important to, um, to be mindful of that. And so we did, we talked about, um, how, how then, um, how then we should wait. And, you know, Robbie, I don't know about you, but I think that so many of our conversations, when we think about waiting for Jesus to return, so many of the conversations are about the, the details of how it's going to happen and what's the timeline going to look like and what are the signs that it's going to happen. Have you found that? Certainly, because that's that's kind of the exciting part. That's the fun part, and it's the part that ultimately doesn't actually require anything of me. So it's much easier to talk about what will it be like, and how will this happen, and what will the signs be, because it's all very fun and theoretical. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, that Jesus doesn't doesn't tell us much about that, other than you don't know, like it's going to be unexpected. And so, but he, what he does give is a lot of instructions and parables about um, that what we do in the meantime matters. 
Absolutely. Can it's, I ask a question before we get to that? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you said a second ago that it's it's really important for us to remember the second coming. Why do you think it is really important? I agree with you, but but if you're listening to this and and you go, I don't really know why that's like Jay. Sure, Jay says that's important, but why is it important? Why does it matter that we consider that first of all Christ is returning and that it could be at any moment. Well, you know, I, I have a hard time coming up with a with a better answer than because he's returning. Like he's actually because <laughs> right. he's actually coming back. Right. That's why it matters. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, if he's not coming back, or if if he just was resurrected in a, the sense of his spirit lives on in his people, and the second coming is is metaphorical. Well, then it doesn't matter but if he's returning to judge the living and the dead to establish the new heavens and the new earth to reign in his kingdom forever with with those who belong to him Hmm. well then it matters because he's actually doing those things like um so yeah sorry I, i don't know if there's a better if there's a better theological answer than that but it's the best one i've got i i think I think that's really good. I think I think because we just take that for granted, like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus is coming back. No, no, no. Jesus is coming back. Yes. Like, for real and, and in bodily form. Um, and and rather than, uh, you know, rather than thinking that, that this is all theoretical, again, as you said, that, you know, Jesus, Jesus kind of started this thing and then, you know, he kind of wound it up and then, let it go, and um, and then we're just kind of winding down into what uh, you know. I don't. I, I don't honestly even know what the alternative is. If you don't understand that Jesus is coming back, what do you think this is all for? Um, but also, you, I, I mean, how are you not left with if Jesus is not coming back? How are you not left with a sense of like God started this thing that is just sort of intended to kind of wind down into a sort of apathetic mediocrity. As opposed to what we see in the New Testament, which is that this is this church is building towards something spectacular. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing is that Jesus Jesus redeems us. He comes to Earth. He lives the life we couldn't live. Dies the death that we deserve. Is raised again in power, and and gives instructions to his followers as to what they should be doing. In the meantime, and he says, I'm, I'm going to come back. I, I am going to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you that. Like, why would, I mean, Jesus even answers that question right. in that way. Right. Like, well, why would, if you're asking me, was that true? Well, why would I have told you that that's what I was doing if that's not what I was doing? <laughs> right. And, and so I think, you know, for a lot of people, Robbie, I don't know about you, but I find myself intellectually believing he's returning emphatically believing that but day to day not always living in light of that reality no. which is just the christian life in general and i think i think one thing that we can do in that is just simply to turn our attention more to to the things that jesus turned his attention to when he was preparing the disciples for him to go away he he prepared him and it wasn't by teaching them how to decode everything so that they would know exactly what was going to happen. Mm. 
the vast majority of his instructions about what will happen when he goes away is what they were to be doing in the meantime, the work that he was entrusting to them. Hmm. So, so let's unpack that a little bit. What, what, what does that work look like? What, what do we want to be found doing when Jesus comes back? Yeah, okay, so that's alluding to all the parables where it's like the master goes away and he comes back and he expects that, that, that his servants are doing what he left them to do, which makes sense, right? You, yeah. You, if you leave somebody and you're in charge and you leave someone in, to steward, you know, like if I, I leave a babysitter to watch my children, when I come back, I expect to see that babysitter there caring for my children, if, that if seems reasonable. It seems reasonable, and that's, and that is what, and, and Jesus has given us that. So yeah. when we and think he tells about that, that parable multiple right. times. That's not like a one-off, no. you know, peripheral idea. Like that is, all the gospels several times he gives some form of that. Are you going to actually? Are you actually waiting for me? And are you doing the things that people who know that I'm coming would do? Yeah, and I think. You know, one of my favorite examples of that isn't even a parable. It's in Acts 1 at the Ascension when he gives them instructions. <laughs> yeah. And it says when they when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So at this point, what's happened is they said, okay, Jesus, is this the time? Like, are you going to do, are you going to establish the kingdom? And Jesus says, don't worry about when that's going to happen. That's not for you to know. But instead, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit and here's the work yeah. that you're going to do. So don't worry about that. Do your work. And, and then... Um, What's great is it says I love while, where it goes from right, there. Yeah, so it <laughs> says while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it's <laughs> that's when the angels show up. What what are you guys doing? Yeah. Get after it. Like why why are you just standing there staring looking up? Yeah. He like, literally just told you what you were to do. Right. Stop. Quit, quit like, standing around. On. And, and I think the same things could be said to the church now. So we, yeah. it, it's, it's very real. These are our very real instructions. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I've ever necessarily noticed before. Maybe just I'm seeing it in a different light in this context. But I, I immediately started chuckling when you, when you brought... You okay in there? Yeah, I, I about fell off my chair. Oh, my goodness. I, I thought either something collapsed or you killed a fly. I <laughs> did I did not. Okay. Sorry. Please continue. Glad, glad you're okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, I, I I don't know that I so I was immediately th- I knew you were gonna you were gonna bring up the uh, you know the men why are you standing here looking and I started chuckling but I don't know that I've necessarily never noticed what's the reason that they give for stop staring and get after it because he is going to come back like that's yeah. literally what they just said the whole argument is get after it because he is coming back the same way that you just saw him go and like i've always you know i've always noticed the you know get to work but not necessarily the like that's the answer to the question of why does it matter because he gave us the instructions of what to do and he is going to come back that's why it matters 
Yeah, and he said, and I used to look at that and say it seemed confusing to me because I picture them all looking up in the sky and the angel saying, why are you looking up in the sky? He's going to return from the sky. Yeah. And I could see someone saying, that's why I'm looking at the sky. Like, he's going to return from there. But but the angels, I think, would follow that up by saying, but he told you what you're supposed to be doing. Right. So, you didn't say stare at the sky no, until I come back. No, no, specifically not. So, so we are, I think we have to understand and and for people in our church it helps to understand the philosophy of ministry that this belief that Jesus left us with specific instructions of the work that we are to be doing while he is away until he returns and so our priority needs to be in those things and especially in in church in non-persecuted countries like the west and you know in in, in the US um, we tend to get distracted from that and we create other things as work. We, we, we're really good at being busy in the church, but we have to be, always be really mindful that, we, that we're prioritizing the actual specific work that God gave us to do, that Jesus instructed us to do. Which is what? Well... I mean, let's think about that. Let's let's have a let's have a conversation. Like, what are the things that Jesus explicitly stated to do? I mean, obviously, um, obviously, the Great Commission comes to mind. So we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. So that would be a pretty major one. Okay, everybody, or just certain people? Everybody who belongs to like Jesus. An, uh, so, so yeah. you would argue that's not a call specifically just to the apostles no. to go and do that. That is no. a universal command to all those redeemed. Yes. Okay. And how would you how would you differentiate? Often, often this is understood as go and make converts, right? So, if I I have accomplished this command, if I can get someone to pray the prayer. Um, and then, and then I move on to the next person. How how would you differentiate between um, uh, making converts and making disciples? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this I, I think most of church history has not been concerned about separating those. We have we have elements certainly, like around you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say most of church history. The early church did not seem to differentiate between conversion and discipleship. You aren't you aren't actually converted unless you are a disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, the the evidence is the the fruit, and the evidence is is a life of obedience then to Jesus. And so, obviously, in the Great Commission, he he doesn't say get people to pray a prayer or convert people to Christianity. It is it is discipleship and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Um, so I think. So that's that's where I would draw the differentiation is 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 that we are we are to go and and make disciples and to and if you're going to teach everything that Jesus has commanded, well then there's all kinds of things that are implied in that that you're actually going to share your life with people. You know, Paul is very clear. You can just watch the life of Paul and see what he believes Jesus meant by that. You can look at the life of Peter and see what he believed Jesus meant by that. It wasn't just going and getting a bunch of converts or trying to grow churches. It was sharing their very lives. Um, right on. So, yeah. so I would definitely say that is 
a a big piece of work. What what other things would you say, Robbie, come to mind when you say what is what is the specific work that Jesus left us to do? Um, the, you mentioned the Great Commission. I immediately go to the Great Commandment as well. That we're yeah. to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, strength, and we're we're to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. Um, so so the, and 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 I believe I would argue that that is the doing all that Jesus commanded portion of the right in the great commission right so there those those two are inseparable so it's the great commission is teaching is 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 bringing Jesus to people so that they can accomplish the great commandment um that might be a slight oversimplification but i think um i f- i feel fairly secure in quoting Jesus in his simplification oversimplification of that um so uh, if I'm an heir, I'm an heir on the side of quoting Jesus, I suppose. Um, so yeah, being, being, uh, growing in intimacy with Jesus, right? So being with Jesus, being, being like Jesus, uh, loving the way that he loves, serving the way that he serves, which he, um, which he says over and over again, in particular in John, um, you know, I have, I have done this as an example so that you might do this to others. So, um, so to be like Jesus, um, and then to, as the great commission encourages us bring Jesus to others. So like, is there anything else then? I mean, cause we could just say great commandment, great commission, but I just, I'm also thinking of, um, I'm, I'm thinking of the work that we were given, you know, in the garden and then continued to give like yeah. we are stewards. I mentioned this in the sermon that we're stewards of creation. We talk all the time about how we are to care for the widow and the orphan and the poor and that basically we are to do the kingdom work. And so I guess one question I would have, Robbie, is just to kind of steer it away so it's not just a recap of, of what the sermon was, but what do you find challenging in that? Like in your actual, in your day-to-day life, either, you know, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a citizen, as, as a minister of the gospel, like what's, what's challenging about doing that? And the first thing that popped into my mind is is loving what God loves, right? Because I can't I can't say I love God, but I hate what He loves, right? I mean, there's specific verses in the Bible that say you can't do that. You can't you can't say I hate I love God and hate your brother because you can't hate God's image um, and and yet love Him. So that this idea of if I am truly loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that means I love the things that he loves, um, which first and foremost would be his enemies, uh, as demonstrated in Christ's love of you and me and every other person who was living in overt rebellion to him. So that, that, that is, that rubs against <laughs> at like the coarsest of sandpaper against the things that are most comfortable to me. That idea of um, if I love the things that God loves, then that that means I need to put effort into genuinely loving um, things and people that do not come naturally to me to love. Because what comes naturally to me, what is my nature, is sinful and selfish, right? So I don't want to live in my nature. I want to live in the spirit. Um, and that just, that takes a lot of effort because because you know gravity my 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 the gravity of my heart and my mind are pulling me towards um 
my own comfort, my own self-interest. Um, there, there's a prayer in the in uh, a collection of Puritan prayers called the Valley of Vision. Um, that a portion of that prayer says, "Teach me that genuine love is different in kind from that wrought by rational arguments or the motive of self-interest." Hmm. And so like rational argument and self-interest cannot be my motivation for love. It has to be fundamentally fueled by does, does God love this? And so that change, that must change how I approach creation because God made it and said, this is good, right? And if God thinks it's good, then I need to handle that appropriately and to steward that well. And and I want to be an instrument of um, of creation, not a, not an instrument of of decreation, right? Of destruction. Right. So so I want to I wanted to, to to look at a space and figure out how how can I improve this? How can I make it more beautiful? How can I make this more of a reflection of the God who made it, um, rather than saying, eh, it's just it's just the earth. It doesn't really matter. Like this is his this is his creation and and to look at that person and decide well do they matter to me are they worth my time and instead look at them and saying that isn't that is a precious image bearer of christ and even if they are objectively my enemy he finds them precious and so i need to find what is precious in them does that make sense yeah i i think that yeah that's a that that definitely is a challenge i think for me the the idea of living with this sense of urgency that Jesus is returning, yeah. um, like so for me, it's just yeah, it's it's lacking that sense of urgency sometimes and getting easily distracted by the things that the world tells me is the work, and that's that's what I'm talking about, like with the church, that it's so yeah. hard and so hard when we're in ministry leadership, and it's hard the, the and people in the church, like we we grow fond of all these different things and we have good memories about all these things, but. Um, we just always have to remember what what actually matters most, and I'm as guilty as anybody of getting distracted, um, and and buying into what others tell me is really important for me to be doing. Um, you know, an example obviously is in parenting is is just do I do I really believe every single day that the most important thing I can be doing is shepherding my kids in the in light of the gospel and loving mm-hmm. them and um, pointing them to Jesus, you know, if if I put all of my energy into making my kid a like them getting into a great school or them being a great athlete or anything like that, and Jesus returns, it's um, I, I don't I don't want to say like oh I thought I thought what you wanted was for him to you know go play Division One basketball. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so you're 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 introducing, I think, an important question. Um, I I feel like I can say with a fair amount of certainty that you, in particular, would not argue that to play college basketball is a sin. No. So impossible for me, but <laughs> no. Um, so so how how do I make those kind of decisions in in, in filtering, um, you know, obviously we would, we would say, you know, well, goodness, if we want, if we want Jesus to, to, 
to catch us doing the most God-glorifying thing when we get back, I clearly need to spend every waking moment with a Bible in my hand. And if I'm not singing a worship song, I should be sharing the gospel with a lost person. You know, otherwise, um, you know, otherwise he's going to catch me doing something. You know, what if he, what if he right. catches me watching Netflix? Like, you know, all is lost. Uh, so what... How, how do we balance that? How do I make those kind of decisions to say, um, you know, if it's not wrong, like, it, it, you know, is it wrong for Jesus to come back and catch me in a piano lesson? Well, no, but but then how do I not end up with an entire life whose the, the, the rhythm of which is right. all of those non-essentials, um, but understand that the alternative is not you know, I might as well just put on the sandwich board and go stand on the street corner and spend every waking moment with the bullhorn shouting the gospel at people. Yeah, I think, and at the risk of oversimplifying it again, I th- the key in that is to do what we are always commanded to do, which is to abide in Jesus. So if we are abiding in Jesus in a in a living and active way if the holy spirit is dwelling in us and we are listening to his voice and we are we are abiding actively presently then those things become less of a concern and by by that i mean um if i if i said when i go home my priority is my kids like I, my priority is to spend time with my children well there's lots of things that i can do and some of them, you may say, have have longer term value and would be the things there are things that I do a lot with them. And then there are things that I don't do as often with them. But but if that goal is to spend time with them, there's lots of different ways that can happen. And so I think so often we want to we want to we want to put things in some kind of box that we can measure. And what we have to just keep right. remembering is like what what's actually measured is, is the fruit and that can't be produced by us. It's only produced when we abide in Jesus. Like we, apart from him, we can do nothing. And so, um, so I think some, sometimes it's to, so to try to bring that down into very practical levels, cause that can feel like a very over spiritualized answer. But I, I think that there's a lot of help found in practicing the presence of God and just being very mindful that, Yes, Jesus is returning, but he's also with me. Right. Like through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is with me now. And so uh, if I'm if I'm going, if I'm watching, um, and, and this starts to sound, it sounds a little cheesy, and I've had it be used in a way that's manipulative and um, controlling in my past, and so I'm always cautious of it. But the reality is that when I'm watching a television show, the, you know, the presence of Christ is with me. The question is, do I, do I acknowledge that? Do I realize that? Am I actually yeah. abiding it? Is it, is it being used um, as a way of actually fulfilling the other, you know, the commandments? Like, am I, am I loving my wife well because we enjoy watching this movie together? Am I, um, enjoy, am I loving my kids well as we are, you know, are snuggled up on the couch or if we go fishing or we go, you know, we, we play basketball out in the driveway um, or I take them to the piano lesson. Like, am I in, enriching them and equipping them for a life of service to Jesus because they're being developed academically and musically and, you know, all these different ways? Um, I think I think just the, the key is 
Thank you. Does it, does it, is, am I abiding in Jesus in the doing of this? Or do I see this as a break from abiding in Jesus? Hmm. Like, do I see it as hmm. like, yeah. ah, I did my quiet time. I did, I went to church. And so now it's me time. Now, now me I get time. to go yep. do whatever I want to do. That's, um, that's what we want to avoid. And here's the thing. That's when it would be shocking for Jesus to return. So if I'm if I'm mindful that I'm abiding in Jesus as I'm playing basketball in the driveway with my kids and I'm worshiping God and I'm just mindful of his presence and thankful to him that I get to have this time with my kids and thankful to him for, you know, whatever. If he returns in that moment, it's not going to be jarring to my system. I mean, well, it'll be I mean, it will be right. it will be shocking in one yeah. sense, but in another very real sense, it'll be a continuation of like, hey, we were just hanging out. Right. And here you are. Um, as opposed to if I see it as a separation and now I go and I'm like, well, now I'm doing my own thing. Right. And You've just, interrupted my me time, Jesus. Right. Yeah. Like it, that's when it would be, I think, startling and shocking and when he would, we would not be ready for his return. Yeah. Especially, and then that's when you get into, especially if that me time is something that you know would be grievous to Jesus. Sure. Right. So there's you know the the sliding scale of there are the things that are overtly, uh, overtly grievous, but then in that sort of gray area of this thing isn't in and of itself sinful. I I think it's so important that you brought it back to where where is my heart in this? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? I think that's I find that a really helpful distinction of am I using this as a break from Jesus or just another means of connecting with Him. Um, and I don't know that we that we give it enough conscious thought to know that we're doing that. So I think half of it is just asking yourself that question. Just, just thinking about the choices that you're making enough to think, am I doing this as a break from who I know God has called me to be? Like, is this is this my me time or or am I actually using this as a way to to connect with God, I, I think most of us are just on so much autopilot that we don't, we don't even consider that. And and how differently would we act if we actually asked ourselves that question? Right. And and how many different decisions would we make if we're if we're genuinely pursuing Jesus and we actually want to be in communion with Him? How often we would go, oh, man, yeah, I don't actually want to do this thing right now because that's taking me away from the thing that I want most. Yeah, I think I think a practical way, maybe as that's been helpful for me, is to just, you know, we're, we're told to live lives of thanksgiving, to pray continuously, to um, to give thanks in all circumstances, and so I find myself, I find it helpful to just say the phrase "Thank you, Jesus," um, consistently, to even get into a habit of doing that, because then it almost serves as a, a checkpoint. So if I'm doing something that is um, self-centered or would be grievous to Jesus. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Well, the spirit in me kind of pipes up and says, that's not like you would, you can't be thanking, you're not thanking Jesus for the sinful behavior, Hmm. you know? And so it's, there's a mindful, there's a recentering. Like if I find myself getting um, frustrated at any, you know, at home or at work or anywhere else, like if I just, say thank you jesus for uh for this like it'll recenter me and and remind me that this is all meant to be a gift it's a meant 
meant to be a gift either to draw me closer to Christ or to just receive as a blessing or whatever the case is. But it also is a, a good way of kind of reorienting where I say, okay, actually I've been, I've been on YouTube and avoiding my children. That's, I'm, I can't really be thanking Jesus for yeah. letting me do that. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of like a little wake up call, like a little checkpoint of saying, if I, if I can't thank Jesus for this thing, then it's not something I should be doing. Hmm. And it's not something I should be spending my time doing. And that that's not the work. Um, that we're called to do. And so I, I would just encourage people just to try to like kind of sum up and, and, and wrap up a little bit. I, I like it's, you, you can go about this in a way that you kind of create this law and just be like, well, if I'm not doing, if I'm not serving at the church or if I'm not sharing the gospel with somebody that I'm not really doing the work that Jesus left you to do, I, I would say, be careful of that falling in that ditch. Um, but also be careful falling in the ditch that like, oh, well, you know, Jesus left and now I'm just supposed to live my life and it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. It matters. And it, it matters because Jesus is returning and he gave us instructions on what to do, to love to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and so that should be the orientation of our life. And then along the way, he gives us countless blessings and gifts to enjoy. He's not a burdensome taskmaster. Um, he's our father who's letting us join in his work. It's, it's a gift and a blessing. And, and I think if we prioritize those things and, and pursue those, then um, we also will receive countless blessings of rest and enjoyment and recreation and all those other things that we are that we are told to enjoy and, and given to enjoy. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think living in light of the second coming, um, should actually be a really freeing thing and a really joyful thing for Christians to, to realize that there, that there is work to be done and that we need to focus on that and prioritize that. Um, and that abiding in Christ is the ultimate, is, is the core of that. Man, I love that. I love that. If you've been listening, if you stuck with us through the whole thing, hopefully you found that encouraging as well. Um, if you have any questions uh, that, that this podcast brought up, please don't hesitate to uh, send us an email. That can go to J or Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E, at um, faithpeshtigo.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to get questions. We'd love, uh, we would love to hear if something encouraged you and God, uh, God helped clarify or reveal something to you um, through one of these podcasts. We would love to hear that too. Um, we just get excited about hearing what God is doing in the lives of the people around us. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next time. Or not see you. I did it again. We won't see you, but hopefully you will hear us next time. Grace and peace to you, church.